You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hive Hoops, I'm your host, Joshua Balta, coming at you once again. Today, we have a very special guest on with us. Corbin Ford from Swish Theory is joining us. We're going to be talking, of course, about the NBA draft, what it means for the Charlotte Hornets selecting at two, and then also deeper on into the first, might the Hornets trade up, might they just stay? We're going to talk about that a little bit. Corbin's also going to get in. He was one of these, oh, the San Antonio Spurs is the best spot for Wimby to land. So I'm really excited about this. I'm going to be able to argue that with him vehemently. I'm looking forward to that. You should be looking forward to that as well. Of course, Scoop versus Brandon Miller at two. What should the Charlotte Hornets do? And then we're also going to get into just a little bit of former Charlotte Hornet talk surrounding Caleb Martin and his playoff ascension. Were the Hornets wrong? Did they choose the wrong twin? But first, Corbin. How's everything going, man? How's how's you and this new move doing? You know, I appreciate you having me on, Josh. Thank you. Um, you know, the move has been the move's been interesting. It's been a lot uh driving from I was in Arizona to Colorado, so at 12 hours and packing everything I had in my 2013 Equinox. Um, it was a lot, but you know, we're here, we're getting settled. Um, I'm trying to get my basketball bug back. So I'm glad that um I'm glad that um you are, I'm happy to have been offered to come on this show with you. Just talk some hoops and get on there because it's been it's been a crazy two weeks, my friend. But um, aside from that, I'm good. I cannot complain. I'm happy, like you said, to talk Charlotte Hornets basketball, talk some draft. It's gonna be a fun one. Man, I, I know for a lot of us that don't live on the West Coast or right there in the in the mountain time range and different things like that, you just said that it was 12 hours from Arizona to Colorado, like. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, like, I, I think I have a pretty good uh, idea of geography and, you know, where states are located and all of those things. I know there's some big boxy states out there, but 12 hours just from Arizona to Colorado. I mean, man, we can get to Canada, you know, in 12 hours over here, <laughs> you know, and I mean, that's going from the south of the United States all the way through the entire country. So that that's interesting. I mean, it's not every day that I'm looking up on uh, Google Maps or, you know, uh, anything like that on, you know, different areas of Arizona to Colorado, how long it takes. But I'm a little surprised by that. I'm not going to lie about that. No, it definitely was different. I wasn't aware of the difference i thought it would be a lot shorter to be honest with you and i have no idea like i have no concept ge- geographically of spaces and it really came to show here but yeah it was i think it's just because the grand canyon like it wasn't a straight shot we had to yeah. drive around it and so i think that ate some time so my girlfriend came by we did um she came and visited and then we like split the driving so i drove from arizona to new mexico and she's a much faster driver than i so she drove the rest of the way oh nice nice i'm glad that you settled up there in Colorado. I know that you've been doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, I mean, you work for, you do all kinds of content for multiple mediums. We'll get that uh, Mm -hmm. on the outro at the end. But first, just leading off, the Charlotte Hornets land the number two overall selection 2023 NBA draft. They just miss out 
on the number one selection, Victor Wimbenyama, whom we all presume will end up being who the Spurs take number one. If you were a Charlotte Hornets fan, mm-hmm. all right, and just kind of getting your thoughts on on Wimby, the kind of prospect that he is, what you foresee him being once he you know begins his career officially in the NBA and just projecting that out throughout his career, how big of a miss, how heartbroken should we as Charlotte Hornets fans be that we just barely missed out on Wimby? You know, I I would feel I would feel a little upset. I mean, just because of how close it was. And listen, I'm always I don't want to say leery of the whole throwing around generational prospect and all these big words. But like, let's be real. We haven't seen a player like Wimbenyama before, you know, just at his height with that length and that skill set and the potential there. It's a lot. So to fall just short of that, mm, it, it kind of bites. It, it kind of bites. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to lie and say I, I, I wouldn't if it for Charlotte Hornet fans. But at the same time, you know, it's been arguably a two man draft. Not really a two-man draft, but yeah, basically a top two draft for the majority of this draft cycle, right? Wemby number one, but Scoot's, Scoot Henderson's been around number two. That's been pretty much the one and two since your early mocks. And so to be number two and to potentially fall into a spot where you can make a quote-unquote no-brainer decision and just grab the other player that's been mocked for the majority of the cycle, it's not the worst thing in the world. So I, I don't want to put Scoot Henderson as a consolation prize, but like as these things go... You know, he's, he's not a bad one to have in, in response to just missing out on the potential next great alien player. Yeah, it should like Wimby does things we've never seen before, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. When I watch his tape, when I watch him play, like, that is a guy at that height with that length doing things that a guy at that height with that length should not be able to do. Exactly. And I, I think that's the, I mean, you used the word alien. You weren't the first to use it, but I mean, that, that's the term that many of us have used to describe him. I know there's already one uh, player with the Charlotte Hornets, LaMelo Ball, likes to use that terminology. One of one, that whole like space alien, not from here uh, type moniker is kind of what LaMelo Ball rolls with, but even, you know, more so. With Wimby, that's that's really what it is. It, it's something we've never seen before. Man, I was sick. I was sick. My so oh, man. my entire family, like we were all like watching the draft or not the draft, the the lottery. And so, like with every passing, you know, announcement of what the the pick selections were going to be, like the hope rose, right? Mm-hmm. With with every team announced. It's just like, oh, like this is reality. Like this might really happen. And you, <laughs> yeah. you get into the top four, you're like, we didn't fall. Like we're going to get a top four pick, and then like, then it's announced that the Rockets are at four. Oh, oh, I can't believe this. We're really going to get a top three pick, and then Blazers, and it's like, oh, we we are one of two teams that are going to land Wimby, and one of the teams that I didn't want to land Wimby the most. It's the San Antonio Spurs because I've been listening. I've been listening to national media guys. I've been listening to uh, people who cover the draft, people who cover the Spurs, people who cover 
all teams and just kind of look through the the NBA lens, you know, as a whole. And the consensus, or I wouldn't say the consensus, I would say the majority is Wimby to the Spurs makes the most sense for his career. He's going to have the most, uh, you know, potential there for, you know, his skill set to be maximized. And so I got really sick of hearing all that junk because I just don't personally believe that. But yet, we were talking pre, pre-show, Corbin, you too are one of the guys. <laughs> you too were one of these Wimby to the Spurs will maximize his skill set. It'll be the best position, the best place for him to land. Can you please, for the love, tell me how mm-hmm. you have come to this and why you believe that this was ultimately the best placement and the best uh, position for Wimby to land? oh man here we go so i just feel like wimby is one of those you see these players are like spurs guys yeah um and like there's very few of them that are like star players right you you for every you know tim duncan or or, um david robinson before him you get a guy like Kawhi leonard who who fits a spurs guy in terms of maybe temperament but obviously in terms of goals and, and 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 different ambitions there is a little bit different right um but for the most part he fit right in there i think that Wemby sides right in as that next great player that the spurs seem to get once every two decades right yeah you know between robinson between duncan and now him where he is for you know robinson was that guy for his time like a, a, a Bill Russell-esque kind of comparison, but he can shoot the ball really well. He runs the floor like a gazelle, boom. Then you have Tim Duncan decade later, you know, low post powerhouse, really good rebounder, you know, the feel for the game. Now, you know, 20-something-odd years later, almost 30, boom, Victor Minyama, uh, the evolutionary version of those other two big men, being able to add those same kind of skill sets, um, but also shoot the ball at a much better clip than those guys. And, and is younger and, and, and more versatile and even bigger. I, I just feel like that, that, that historic sense kind of comes into play there, but also you look at the Spurs development system. You look at their scouting process, how well they have done with foreign players. I think that Wemby is a person that is like a no bake. Like it's like a, uh, what does they call him? Um, there's a word for it. Basically, like, a set it and forget it. There you go. Like, the Spurs have done more with less before, you know, with Tony Parker, with Mal Ginobili, you know, what, what they did in terms of, of, of developing Patty Mills and, and guys like that, right? Wemba Nyama fits the, the, the foreign um, player spectrum. The Spurs are really good at acquiring and developing, but, like, also he's the number one, like, pick. Like, there was no question about that. You get a player like that, that anchors your team. The Spurs bottomed out clearly this year for the first time in dang near two decades, right? And you hate that they did. You don't really want to reward the tank and all of that, but they did it with a purpose. They achieved the goal they were going for, and now they have the anchor that will keep them potentially for the next decade and a half. The same way we saw Robinson take the Spurs from the late 80s to the early 2000s and Tunkin take the Spurs from the late 90s to the mid-2010s and now Wemby could take them from 2023 to 2035. Who knows, you know, but it, it, it just felt, as much as I hate to say it, it just felt like the logical fit. I like I would have liked him to be in Charlotte. I would have liked to have a team like Charlotte kind of have the NBA attention. You can't really hide um, a, a player like Wembenyama on Charlotte, they're just going to get national exposure. And I think that'd be cool to see more of LaMelo ball to see more of 
Wembenyama, that would have been cool. But in terms of development and who I trust more, I'm not going to lie. I mean, there's the same team that's had players. We're going to talk about Caleb Martin a little bit. Uh, we can mention Malik Monk. They've had young players that haven't really done well in their in their situation, whether a combination of the players that they drafted just not forming up the task or the development of Charlotte. But then they leave, go to other teams, and then they become the players we expect them to be, right? I, I just, I don't know. I feel like, again, it just felt, I don't want to say poetic, but it felt like the hand-in-glove fit for San Antonio. I see your face, and I, I, I hate that I'm saying it, but it just, it, it felt right. I'm utterly disgusted. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to go back to the very first thing you said. And I, well, one of the last things you said too, was I would have liked to see him in Charlotte, the national attention, a new team, you know, starting to, you know, unfold LaMelo ball, Victor Wimbanyama, that whole, you know, dynamic duo. But I'm going to, before I touch on that, I'm going to go to the first point that you made was essentially okay. The Spurs have had two all-time greats already. Mm -hmm. And in the process of that, they also happened upon another – I mean, he's probably going to be a top 100 player of all time, possibly in Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he has multiple championships. He has a finals MVP to his name. Uh, I, he's dealt with a lot of injuries and he's not going to have the counting stats at the end of his career because of all the time that he takes off and the back-to-backs and missing, you know, all the time that he has, he's dealing with another injury this year. I think that's going to become more of the talking point around the career of Kawhi Leonard is, oh, what could he have been had he stayed healthy? I mean, he was trending one of the best, if not the best two-way player in the NBA for uh, what, like a solid five, four or five year stretch. Um, and so you, 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 you mentioned how the Spurs have had those guys before. Mm -hmm. They've had the likes of Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili and, uh, you know, all time greats. The Charlotte Hornets have never had that, right? <laughs> never, ever had that. And so why? <sighs> Why, why, why should the Spurs just relive history all over again? It just seems so damn unfair. It doesn't seem right. It makes me sick. And that's why I, I feel like a lot of the reason as to why so many people wanted him in a Spurs jersey was because of the past, but not because of the present. Because when I look at the present Spurs roster, I like some of the players on their team, but they're like LaMelo Ball would be the best player on the San Antonio Spurs. Mm -hmm. And PJ Washington is on any level with, I mean, I, I think PJ Washington's in the same uh, conversation as Keldon Johnson with his, with his defensive play. You may like Keldon Johnson's offensive play a little bit more than PJ's. I do personally. But then when mm -hmm. you put in PJ Washington's defensive capabilities, I think they're in the same tier. You may still take a Keldon Johnson. I might even would. But I think that they're in the same category. They're, they are in the same tier of player. Mark Williams is a better center than anybody on the Spurs' roster because I think Wimby's going to slide in at that power forward position. He really – 
you know, doesn't even really want to play that center position from what reports have said and different things. And so, I mean, I look at the rosters. Terry Rozier would be one of the best players on the San Antonio Spurs. He'd be a top three spur right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I look at the rosters and all the things, I'm like, and then you have the LaMelo. I mean, Wimby's going to be playing with Trey Jones. He could have been with LaMelo Ball. Which one would you rather have? I mean, yeah, I, I, I LaMelo. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I get what you're saying with the development, and I get what you're saying with the history, but when I look at the current, when I look at the here and the now, the Hornets won 43 games two years ago. Not this past season, but the year prior. All right, then we de- dealt with all the Miles Bridges junk. Maybe that's going to uh, end up coming full circle. We'll see Miles Bridges soon on an NBA floor somewhere. It t- it looks like it's going to be with the Charlotte Hornets. Just from a basketball standpoint, mm-hmm. um, that will improve the team this year. The Charlotte Hornets dealt with crazy amounts of injuries last year. I mean, it was generational injuries. Of it a was pretty bad. It was awful. And so when I look at it, I just – the player development, I guess you can go that route. But then with the Charlotte Hornets, we've never had a player like this. And so for us to say that we can't develop uh, like generational players or like can't miss prospects, like you draft, like you said, you draft them, you set them, boom, you're ready to go. I just felt like it was like saying that he shouldn't go to Charlotte. And I know you didn't say that. Mm-hmm. I know you didn't say that. But, like, I I heard a lot of people saying that, and that was one of the reasons why the Spurs kept going to the top of the list. But, like, we've never had this kind of player. The Spurs have. And so, like, having that be, you know, like a, a negative against the Hornets, I thought that that was unfair. Um, but I don't know. Did it, like, does that make sense? No, I get you. And I, as, a, as a fan of the Hornets, like, I – I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. It's not fair per se. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I don't know. Here, look at. Let me ask you this. You haven't had a player like that, but you had to have players like come through Charlotte last couple of years who I, I just feel. I mean, okay, for example, Lamelo Ball. Like, I don't feel like Lamelo Ball. I want Lamelo Ball to stay in Charlotte. I really want that to be a, a place where he stays. I do not feel. Like the Hornets have properly built the right team around LaMelo Ball. I don't have any confidence in their front office in either the development or the acquisition of talent to field a competitive team around LaMelo Ball. They haven't shown that yet. They just haven't. You know, look what they did when they had Kemba Walker. They're the one year they lucked into the Eastern Conference semis. You know, was that 20, I want to say it was 2016. And then we saw what happened after that. So I, I don't mean to say it in a bad light, but. Like, Charlotte hasn't actually done anything to show – I mean, they're not like, oh, they're a young team on the rise and have been making the right steps and just need to get lucky with the big pick. No, they've just been a bad team for years. And then it's like, okay, well, wouldn't it be nice if they had this really good player? Yes, it would. But they're still a bad team. This has been a bad team. They haven't made any steps in a direction in my mind that makes me go, okay, you know what? Like, they deserve this. I think their fan base does. I think you do. But I'm not looking at the team and just going, oh, yeah, you know what? They just need a guy like this. Like, what have they shown us the last couple of years to insinuate that that's a, a team, a, a thing that they need? You know, like the basketball gods. If that's the thing which you believe, 
are they really shotting upon Charlotte? If they are, then I think shots would be happy number two. Yeah. And I mean, you said it right there. You said the fan base deserves it. You deserve it. Mm-hmm. But does the organization deserve it? And I think that's fair. I, yeah, I just, I don't I think know. That's I'm more, sorry. I think that's more than fair. And, and I think that's where this fan base falls, right? Because this fan base, I, I don't know if you could find a more loyal fan base in the NBA than the Charlotte Hornets fan base. The the fact that we've stuck around through a team being moved and leaving the city just for a new team to come in and for the owner to name the team after himself, literally Bob Johnson, the Bobcats, and then put out the <laughs> worst record in NBA history – and then finally, to with awful colors, awful just marketing, awful everything, awful logo, everything about the Bobcats, awful. If I have, I know that there's a couple. Uh, it, there's not many in the entire world, but I know that there's a few former Bobcat fans that listen to this podcast, and they actually became. Charlotte basketball fans in the era of the Bobcats. I'm sorry for saying what I just said, but it's just the truth. All right. You can go back and forth with me. Hey, leave it in the comments, all the things, right? Um, (laughs) But then for the second, you know, stint of the Charlotte Hornets to be what it has been, Mm -hmm. this fan base needed it. And, you know, like you said, we do have the number two overall pick. If there's a year in which to get the number two overall pick and still and like still feel good about it, I mean you're gonna you're still gonna feel pretty junky about missing out on Wimby, but for the consolation prize to be what it is, this might be the year to do that. And for you to still be able to be excited as a fan for what is to come for the Charlotte Hornets, which leads me into. Scoot or Brandon Miller? Where do you fall on it? Who should the Hornets select at number two? You know what? I mean, this is just easy for me. I, I get the I, I get the noise about Brandon Miller. I I I, I totally do. Um, it's Scoot. It's been Scoot. Scoot's number two. I think that you can make it work in in a in a in a, in a league that increasingly has you know different ball handlers in a league that has two guys who arguably play the same position, you know, coming back from a 3-0 deficit that they should have been in the first place in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, both arguably best of the three, but both make it work and both are, both both do well in that spot. Like, I don't think you, I don't think that there's a problem where both these guys can't play on the ball. And also for being a little pessimistic with LaMelo Ball's injury history, it's probably better if you have a guy as insurance that is also a star in his own right in, um, in um, what is it called? In Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller. Let me let me just get out out of the way. Brandon Miller. I love his height. I love the three and D potential. I don't love his creation ability at all. Um, I think we saw that a little bit in the Final Four, just a little bit. Where okay, you know he's a good shooter, but not a whole lot off the juice, right? Uh, not a whole lot of uh, of offense off the bounce, rather. Um, I think he kind of fade in and out of the game. I think he's going to be in, and maybe he has another. I mean, I'm sure he does. These guys are all young. Like another step to grow. But 
I just feel like he's going to be a more dependent player than Scoot Henderson, somebody who has shown the potential is younger, um, has already done more playing against grown men in NBA style basketball. And also, I mean, let's be real. Charlotte's going through all of this with Miles Bridges on a PR level. Do you really want any kind of baggage of Brandon Miller? No, you, you don't really want any more of that. Like Charles been getting all the publicity for all the wrong reasons. So why even, entertain that we can get a player in scoot henderson who i think you can kind of work both guys on or off the ball lamella ball shoots the three at a pretty good clip um and i think both can take turns running dribble handoffs you know initiating the offense attacking off the closeouts all of that goodness stagger them however you want to do it um and not have to worry about the issues of a brandon miller on the team where i feel like if you bring him on yes potentially he could be great like I just don't see a Paul George in the making with him at this point. I just see another guy who would be depending off of LaMelo Ball creating. And I thought we saw a lot of that for the games that LaMelo Ball did play. You know I mean? Guys who were good but needed to have another guy to create their offense. And those guys are good. There's nothing wrong with those players in the NBA. I do think there's something wrong with picking them second overall. Um, and so for me, it's Scoot Henderson. It always has been. And I just think you select him and you make it work. I just think you do. Um, you figure out how those two work together. But I think that there's potential for it to work together. And like I said, I hate to be pessimistic, but LaMelo Ball's injury history, it probably behooves the Hornets to just grab Scoot and, and go from there. All right. So for all of the reasons I disagreed with you on the previous segment, I love everything you just said. I think you have LaMelo insurance with Scoot. I I believe that you just make it work. I mean, we saw with – I mean, worst-case scenario, it doesn't work, right? But then you still have really good players that you can turn into additional assets. That's in my mind. Like, you can see what the, what the Sacramento Kings have done with – uh, Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox. They chose one, they flipped one, and got a real piece back. Look, they made the playoffs for the first time in what? 17, 18 years, something like that? I mean, they just they took the best player on the board and then they figured it out. And maybe it wasn't. And I, I think the Kings gave up on Halliburton a little too early. Uh, I like his game. But at the same time, you really can't say it didn't work out for them because, I, I mean, they were the three seed in the West, almost went to the second round, uh, you know, seemed to really be playing well this season. They just need to – you know, you're probably not going to win the first time you get to the playoffs. You're probably going to have a first-round exit. They needed that experience. They were going up against the former champs. Makes a lot of sense. I just – do you believe that the Hornets are in any position? Because Mitch Kupchak made the statement that I think we can be picky here at two. In years past, I thought we just had to add talent, add talent, add talent. I think that we have enough talent on the team. I, I, we could always use more. I'm paraphrasing here, of course. We could always use more talent. Uh, but I think we're at a better talent standpoint now than we were. So I think we can be a little picky. Do you, where do you fall on that? Do you, I mean, I know you think Scoot's the best player here available. Do you think that the Hornets can e even need to be worried about fit or it's best player available, you take it, boom, that's it? I I, I think Mitch was was just talking crazy. I mean, we, we saw the last three-fourths of the Charlotte Hornets season was painful, right? And a lot of that was due to injuries, but a lot of that was just due to bad talent. They, they, they didn't really have a lot of guys there that really stepped up. Dennis Smith Jr., 
you know, Reclamation Project actually played really well. Really proud of him for that. P.J. Washington kind of had a, a bounce, uh, a step. I want to say, eh, he had a productive year. It was kind of a step back because we wanted to step up, and that necessarily didn't happen. But he was solid. Gordon Hayward was there. Um, Terry Rozier was there, but we saw all the offensive load kind of wear down on him. Like, I'm not really sure what Mitch is talking about being picky. I think he's really just posturing at this point because I, I think some of it was injuries for sure, but they did not have a lot of talent there. It was just laughably bad, bad at some points. Um, with that being said, yeah, I just feel like you go with the best player available. And in my mind, that's Scoot. I just think that's the number one option that you roll with and then let the chips fall where they may from there. Um, Brandon Miller is a great guy. If, if the Hornets are up to three or four, I would look at Brandon Miller. I'd look at Cam Whitmore. Um, I wouldn't look on the Thompson twins. I don't think he's their good match alongside LaMelo here. But, you know, I would look at one of those guys. Um, uh, Keontae George, if you were to slip a little later. Like, there's guys I would look at if, they, if the Hornets have fallen anywhere from, let's say, three through nine. But they fell two. And again, I just think it's been said a lot, and I truly believe it, that if there hadn't been a Victor Womanyama, Scoot probably would have gone number one. And now you're getting a player who probably would have gone number one, if not for a generational talent, available for your number two. I just don't see another player that you go, you know what? Yeah, I like him over this guy. I mean, at best, like you said, you take Scoot, and maybe, you know, LaMelo stays injured and stuff doesn't work out, and you're like, hey, maybe we can you know, look to see what we can get from, or maybe we look at Scoot and we're like, you know, Scoot's been great. Maybe we get see what we get for Scoot Henderson. I, I don't know. Maybe you take those two and they make a tremendous guard tandem with both those guys swinging between the one and the two. And you're just like, Hey, this works out really well. We have an exciting in backcourt. Let's fill out around among the, those guys. Like there's so many opportunities. I think open up when you take Scoot Henderson at two that I don't think are available. If you go Brandon Miller. I just really take Brandon Miller. Okay, great. Like the high end outcome of Brandon Miller, you have a wing who can be an all purpose defensive player with a really good offensive game, you know, grow some more in terms of facilitation skills and his ability to score off the bounce, right? If he doesn't, then you have a, a decent three and D wing. That is great. Let's say Nicholas Batum is his like base level outcome. Great. Don't bring up that name. I know. Don't I know. you do it. Oh, I cannot believe that you just did what you did. I did on purpose to him. Oh no! I know. I was saying. I'm saying if that's if I, listen, like Nick Batum, like even right now, Nick Batum's a serviceable player. I hate that how Charlotte went for him and everything. I totally get it. What I'm trying to say though is like, you're not taking that number two. You're just not. And if that's Bra- the high end outcome. If Brandon Miller becomes Nick Batum, Mitch Kupchak will be out the door. By next offseason, <laughs> if uh, Michael Jordan's selling the team, uh, I mean, it's going to be a complete overhaul. Uh, the fan base is going to riot. They're going to take up their pitchforks and their torches. They're going to march on Spectrum Center. They're going to hold up signs. They're going to do all the things. It is going to be ugly. Oh, my it God. Would, it would not be pleasant. I agree with you there. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have brought Nick Batum. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, everyone's talking like Brandon Miller. Like, he's going to be like this. I, I see the potential, potentially. But I also see just him being what he is. And and if that is the case, then, like, okay. Yeah. I just don't think it's the guy you go for, too, you know? Yeah, I, I keep seeing these Paul George comparisons. And I'm, I'm not seeing it. First off, I'm always weary to compare <laughs> – guys who haven't played a minute in the NBA to, you know, all NBA guys. Um, Mm -hmm. But then even when I just watch it, I'm like, okay, like I'm trying to see the upside here. 
Um, I'm trying to, you know, really get a good comparison. He's great player. He's going to be taken at the top of the draft, but like, what is his ceiling? I don't see a Paul George. I just don't, Mm -hmm. I just don't. And people keep trying to force that because Mm -hmm. 610, he can dribble a little bit, play some defense, shoot the three, but like Paul George does all of that at a much higher clip, much better player. And 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 also like Brandon Miller is not old by no stretch of the imagination, but he's also not like a young guy either. Yeah, we get a guy in school who's shown like development end over end from one year to the next is only just now nineteen. And I mean, getting a mixtures of comparisons of Russell Westbrook with Chris Paul and and Derrick Rose, like at the very least, that's exciting stuff. At the very least, there's more potential there. Like the risk reward potential is much higher in Scoot Henderson's favor than it is for Brandon Miller's. And if it doesn't work out, now you can take that player, whichever of the ones that you're, it might not be LaMelo. Like it might be, it might be LaMelo who's the odd man out. Who knows? But if it doesn't work out, worst case scenario, you take the one who doesn't fit in best and you say, okay, let's see if we can get back for this player. Knowing that he still has the same potential, he just isn't a fit for our team. And then maybe you get pieces from that player that better equip the team you're trying to build around whoever you decide to keep. Like, I don't see that happening with Brandon Miller. If it doesn't work for Brandon Miller, you're just stuck with Brandon Miller. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I I, I couldn't agree more. I think the LaMelo scoot fit will work. Uh, I believe in that backcourt because Scoot's athleticism, his length, he has a six nine wingspan. There's not mm-hmm. many six foot two guys that have that kind of length where mm-hmm. he, and athleticism to go with it. His mid-range, love that. I love his the, his mindset, the way that he talks about the game. The way that everybody says that he approaches the game is just – that's an intangible that you just don't get in other players. We haven't heard anything about Brandon Miller in those terms. We haven't heard bad things as no. far as the way he approaches the game, but we haven't heard those leadership, next-level qualities either. Mm-hmm. I, I think you just got to go scoot. Um, so now we're going to transition off that. Just I want to ask you this because Caleb Martin has been going bonkers in the playoffs for the Miami Heat. They were up 3-0. Yes, the Celtics have come back 3-3, uh, make, you know, making it a series, seven games now, all of the things. But I want to ask you this question because I feel like this is a question that the fan base has been asking to a large degree, um, and many people. I'm, you've already alluded to it, you know. Prior, in when, when you mentioned Caleb Martin, when you mentioned Malik Monk earlier in the in the Hornets' development, would you say that Caleb Martin's playoff ascension says more about Heat culture or the lack thereof of Hornets' culture here in Charlotte? That's a great question, man. Um, I mean, when you when I first saw, I was like, hmm. I I feel like, and this is going to be like a cop-out, but I don't think it says either. I think it speaks more to Caleb Martin specifically and his ability to step up. Because I looked at the numbers with him in Charlotte and him in Miami, and yes, he's been getting more of an opportunity in Miami. I think he would have got more in Charlotte for, them for some injuries at some point, but I think he had more of an opportunity in Miami as well. But the numbers didn't necessarily, you know, showcase, oh, wow, you know, he's like a demonstrably end-over-end better player. Like, yeah, more numbers uptick in production. You know, it still dips. It wasn't a consistent uptick in his three-point shooting, for example, in his free-throw shooting, finishing the rim, rebounding. Like, all of that's somewhere in the same range, right? 
slight upticks here and there depending on the season. But I think what it shows right now, especially seeing his postseason performance, is that the opportunity is coming up and he is stepping up to the plate. Or has been. Or, or And some of that is, is, in my mind, a little pessimistic. But, like, Jimmy Butler had horrible shooting nights, right? Miami doesn't have a whole lot of guys uh, aside from, well, him and Caleb Martin and, and Gabe Vincent who are able to really do a lot on both sides of the ball. Like, the ability to be able to be, like, a 6'5", 6'6", wing, to rebound a little bit, shoot the three ball a little bit, you know, score some points. Like, some defense. On, uh, play some defense, like, on a team that, is increasingly bereft of that due to injuries to all sorts of players up and down the roster. I think some of it's that. Like, some of it's Caleb Martin stepping up, and some of it's like, great. Like, somebody got to get those rebounds. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. somebody got to knock those points down. And congrats for Caleb for doing that. Like, all, like, just great for him. And and he culture is already a thing when you look at how many undrafted players, you know, are getting spots and making an opportunity, making a role. But at the same time, those undrafted players are still playing now, and they're the reason why they're coughing with 3-0 lead. So like I'm not saying it in, yeah. in a in a bad way. I'm just saying it's just a thing, right? Um, and in 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 comparison to that, I don't want to say like the Charlotte Hornets development. I'm not I'm not very high on their development system. I just don't think they've done a very good job. Um, uh, some of that's just who they drafted. Some of that's you know what those players have turned out to be. I think of a James Booknight. Uh, I look at like a Malik Monk. You know, having horrible years in Charlotte and then breaking out both in LA and in Sacramento and being the guy we all thought he would be when he was selected by Charlotte. What thirteenth? You know what I mean? Like. Um, Look at their bigs they have this year. I think they did a decent job, but definitely want to see what happens to Mark Williams and other guys like that. So uh, some of it, yeah, I don't necessarily like Charlotte's development system, um, but I don't think it's a knock on them that Caleb Martin is really stepping up in the postseason. It's just a really good feel-good story for him. And who knows? Cody Martin might have done the same for Charlotte. We'll never know because, like you said, the season from hell in terms of injuries. But, you know, like there's no saying that Cody probably wouldn't have stepped up and done something similar. Um so, yeah, I know I didn't really answer the question as straight up like, oh, it's definitely the Heat who win or the Hornets who lose. But I really think the biggest one of this is, is Caleb for stepping up at a time when all eyes are on him. And, you know, you can really see, hey, this guy's really putting up decent numbers this postseason, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. I'm glad that you pointed that out because so much, you know, is made of Heat culture or the lack thereof of the Hornets and their development system, things like that. I'm glad that you gave Caleb his flowers. Corbin, I've enjoyed having you on, man. Real quick, let everybody know where they can find you, man, because you got all these different mediums in which you use. Let everybody know where they find you. I appreciate you having me on again, Joshua. Thank you. Uh, I got to get you on my. We got to do this again. This is a lot of fun. Um, Let's do it. Fo- yeah, most definitely, man. Folks can find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Uh, if you're so inclined, I do appreciate it. I have not been active as of late, just between the move and everything. We're hoping to get more involved as we, you know, get close to the draft season and everything. Well, the actual draft, not draft season. We're already here. Um, but yeah, Corbin NBA to find me there. Big shout out to Corbin for joining the pod. And here's the thing with Corbin. He's being way too humble. So yes, you can find Corbin on Twitter at Corbin NBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A, right? But then you can also find him, Swish Theory, Sports Ethos. He's part of the lead. Uh, the Hoops Podnet. I mean, Corbin has multiple avenues in which he is producing content. He's covering the draft. He's covering the NBA and the WNBA. So, look, he was way too humble. I'm glad that he said for you to follow him on Twitter and all those things. But be sure to check out his stuff everywhere that he produces content. Big shout out to him again. Thanks for everyone uh, for listening or to everyone for listening. Until next time.
I'm your host, Joshua Balta, here at Hive Hoops. Adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by The League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops. Hoops.